Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. And welcome to First Strike, First Look here on a Tuesday as we get ready for UFC 276. And my goodness, what a card we have. Not one, but two title fights on tap on Saturday night. To help me break it all down here on a Tuesday is our producer extraordinaire. The one and only Britton Hess rejoins the program. Britton, great to have you back, my friend. As we look ahead to 276, but let's look back to last week. And again, we've had these situations in the last couple of weeks with the main event and go back a couple of weeks ago to Calvin Cater against Josh Emmett. And I think a lot of people that were on the Calvin Cater side thought they won that fight. They didn't get the decision. Josh Emmett gets it. And then this past week, I think we almost had a reversal of fortune as Ganrock gets a very contested decision victory against uh, Tarzugians here. So I, I look at it and I go, which side of the judging do we fall on after two straight weeks of kind of throwing our hands up going, I'm not exactly sure what the judges are looking at. I think we thought we knew after the Josh Emmett decision, but maybe even though we were on the Gamrot side, I didn't feel like I was on the right side. What'd you make of that? Um, I, I thought that Gamrot clearly won, um, but okay. that's because I've been trying to shut down my brain on how this used to be scored and just think there's really two things that matter. One, forward pressure. Well, I mean, that's like number two. Number one is head strikes landing. Um, Gamrod had a huge, decisive advantage in head strikes landed, mm -hmm. uh, and he had forward pressure into the fifth round. So it's hard to say the guy lost the fight when he's got those two things going for him. I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe the commentators aren't don't even believe what the new scoring is. I think only Paul Felder had that fight at 2-2 two -two going into the, uh, into the fifth round, but that's how right. I saw it as well. Uh, and then when the decision came game round, I'm like, wow, they got it right based on what we know about the scoring. You know what I mean? It's can, your personal preference can be one way or another and how a fight should be determined the winner. But from what mm -hmm. we know, from what we learned from Lou, who shared what he learned from, uh, you know, the media packet he got on the new scoring, um, it was pretty cut and dry that Gamrot won that fight. You know, it would be like, and also Gamrot was so fast that he would land punches and the, and, uh, you know, the commentators wouldn't even acknowledge them. It's like they didn't even see him. And then Sarukin would answer with a, you know, a heavy kick that would glance off Gamrot's legs and they'd act like he, they just, he just got the KO. Um, so, you know what I mean? So I think that part of the, part of the controversy lies with the commentators not exactly seeing everything um, that was happening in the cage. No question about it. And again, go back to two weeks ago. I thought Calvin Cater won that fight on points against Josh Emmett, but they scored the more, uh, I guess, the bigger shots that they thought Josh Emmett landed. Uh, so I felt like I was on the wrong side of that decision. I was on Gamrot this week, as you well know. And the reason why we got there, people, and this is why we do these exercises, not just on first strike, first look, but also on first strike on Friday, 
if you think there's a fight that might go to the cards and where subjectivity does play into it at over a $2 favorite, I got him at 230 last week with Gamrot. There was just too much value for a, a fight that would be nip and tuck, that we knew these guys are going to be very technically sound. And that's what we got, a technical display. And sometimes judges see it differently. Look, our guy, Nick Kalikas, who sets the numbers at Circus Sportsbook, he had Tarzukian winning the fight on his card almost four rounds to one. He said 3-2 at best. So you can see where you got differing views on the same fight with the new scoring. But that's why we try to find out if we see value in a number for fights that potentially could go to the cards because you do have to hold your breath no matter what side you're on. Sometimes you come out on the right side like we did this past week with Gamrod. Sometimes you don't. So take that for a food, a little food for thought out there, people, as you're listening to First Strike, First Look on a Tuesday. Let's get to the two main events here uh, because I, I say two main events because the co-main feels like it could be a main event, and that's, of course, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky in the trilogy matchup against Max Holloway. Some say Max is still the best featherweight of all time. I think if Volkanovsky wins again for a third time, I don't know how you could make that claim anymore for Mad Max to get this done. You, you look at the numbers here, and Volk is almost a $2 betting favorite here. As I look at DraftKings here on Tuesday, the comeback of Max Holloway plus 165. Again, five-round title bout here. The first two fights both went the distance, both of them very, very close. And again, I felt that Max won the first one, and I think you can make an argument he won the second. The judges saw it differently. Britton, what do you expect to see the third time around? Um, I think it's going to be an extremely competitive fight again. I mean, these guys are the tip of the spear. It's not even a question if there's you know anyone else who should be in the title contention. It's it's these two guys. So seeing them fight a third time is definitely, you know, it, it's a good fight to make. The, both the first two were very, very close, as we saw. Um, so I think that, yeah, it, it's going to be a very interesting fight. And, you know, one thing we've been talking about a lot lately is the scoring. And I believe that this is going to be the first time these guys have met under the new scoring rules, which mm -hmm. might help the volume striker and Max Holloway win a split decision instead of lose one or win a contested decision instead of lose one like last time. Um, you know what I mean? Because, you know, he, he never runs out of pressure. He always is trying to land head strikes. That's what we've seen matter to judges lately. So as long as these judges are in line with um, the new scoring system, then Max actually, I think, has a shot to finally get his revenge. Nothing against Alexander Volkanovsky. It's just hard to beat the same guy three times when he's as good as Max Holloway. Yeah, and especially when the, the, the fights were so close, as you mentioned, with, with the first two, the way they went down. So, again, we'll find out if this one hits the cards, how the judges might see it differently if we see the same type of fight play out to that end. The over four and a half rounds against, again, juice mightily, minus 255 here on a Tuesday on DraftKings, uh, plus 205 if you think there might be a stoppage under four and a half rounds. Is there a scenario where with these strikers that somebody actually gets hurt and we get a stoppage? Or these guys are so tough. They've, they've stood through everything. I mean, if Brian Ortega couldn't get the submission against Volk, I don't know how Max can. But do you see any other way other than heavy hands leading to a KO TKO stoppage versus a submission. Cause to me, I don't see how this could possibly play out on the ground when it feels like all we're getting is strikes for potentially 25 minutes again. Yeah. So, I mean, out of about 60 combined professional fights between Volkanovsky and um, Holloway, they've only been finished once each Holloway got submitted by Dustin Poirier in 2012 and mm -hmm. Volkanovsky got, KO'd by somebody uh, in a lower organization in 2013. Uh, that's it. These guys are, are hard to get out of the ring. They both have good submission defense. I don't know. But again, we've seen them, you know, on their feet a lot. You know, there might be takedowns just to try to score points. Uh, I don't, I think an 
heavily juice the over makes sense. It's not necessarily a bet that I'm rushing to make or I'm very interested in. Um, but I mean, I think it's right to favor the over for sure. Yeah. And again, that, that's an interesting point about takedowns for points because these guys, I don't know that they're thinking finish mm. because they know how tough both guys are, how close the first two fights were. That would be a very interesting strategical move here by one or the other to shoot and try to get a takedown, get some control and maybe went around like Max might be thinking differently now. Cause I think Max thought the first two times, all right, let's brawl. Nobody out brawls me. So this should be exactly what I want. And Volkanovsky was, was certainly happy to oblige as his dance partner. Now I wonder if they go, all right, to make this thing more convincing, I'll show that I'm uh, not just a stand-up guy, but let me see if I can get this fight down to the ground to win points. That'd be a very interesting subplot that could play out in this um, in this co-main event. But I'm with you. I, I, you can understand why it's too so heavily to the over four and a half rounds. I kind of see it playing out a similar way here on a Tuesday. When we look at the main event and we look at the last style bender in Israel Adesanya going up against Jared Cannonier. This number to me on a Tuesday feels off. And when I say that, Britain, right now at DraftKings, Adesanya is almost a $4 betting favorite, minus 380. Cannoneer is plus 310. To me, this is mispriced. Kind of like I thought the Gamrot fight was mispriced last week when he was a $2.30. Uh, he was a plus 230 underdog. I see real value in Cannoneer here. Do you see it the way I do there? Um, so I think that you're right in that it's mispriced, that it's a little bit too juicy right now in Israel. But the reason why I liked Gamrot was that I felt like truly, truly felt that that flight was a coin flip. It should have been minus 110 each way for both Sarukian and Gamron. So if they're giving you plus $2 on one side, then take that side. I mean, obviously, sure, this, this situation, um, you know, Israel is far and away the uh, better fighter, the more pedigreed fighter. Uh, that said, Jaron Kedner has the great equalizer, which is power. He's a guy who's started his career at heavyweight, and now he's down to 185. Um, so I think that he's got the equalizer. I think that, you know, minus 300, minus 275 is probably a little better for Adesanya. I don't think we're going to see that again just because Izzy's one of the biggest stars in the sport. So everybody and their mother is going to be putting him in a parlay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree that the line is a little steep, but I don't I don't necessarily see it the same way I saw Saruki and Gamrot last week, if that makes sense. I- it does make sense. And again, you look at the over here at DraftKings, uh, juice slightly at four and a half rounds as well to minus a dollar twenty-five. Uh, the comeback and the under is minus a dollar five. So this one a little bit more in the balance, but this is what we kind of expect. I would expect Adesanya against a guy that I think we view as a bigger guy in Cannoneer uh, in there. I think he might try to extend this fight and see if he can get into the gas tank of Cannoneer. That would seem to be the game plan if I'm Israel Adesanya. There's no way he engages in the first three rounds in a wild slugfest, which is kind of what we expect to see from Vulcan Holloway, right? No, exactly. I think that, uh, and also the point about the gas tank of Cannoneer, we saw it when he um, fought Robert Whitaker. It looked like, you know, by the end uh-huh. of that fight, he was just, he wanted out of there. You know, Whitaker was just grinding, grinding, grinding. Obviously, Izzy doesn't have that uh, have that wrestling style, but he can grind you out through Muay Thai, through the clinch, you know. Um, so he can still do it, you know. And, and it's almost like John Jones in his prime, where like you just people got so frustrated because they couldn't land anything, and then he had such great range for the weight class that he was in uh, mm-hmm. that you know it was it was it would wear you down mentally, right? Because you're trying you're trying to use bursts of energy to close the distance and land a strike, and you're not getting anything, and instead you're taking a jab on your way in. 
so I think that, yeah, I think a slow controlled fight, I definitely would look at props of like this fight to start round two, start round three, start round four. Um, Cannoneer might run out of gas. Izzy is, you know, one of the cleanest strikers we've ever seen. So, you know, there could be a finish there. And obviously Cannoneer still has power in every round uh, as long as he's not totally dead by the, by the late rounds. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that it does go a little deeper. I wouldn't rush to say an early finish in this one. It would be a big surprise. It would be like, you know, Car- Carlos Olberg is his teammate last week who got the first mm-hmm. round KO out of nowhere. I mean, I was backing Olberg, but I uh, did not expect to see that. Um, so yeah, as long as nothing goes totally off script, I think that, you know, we'll see this fight get into the championship rounds. And obviously with this being a pay-per-view card, Britain, you look up and down this card and it's just stacked with with big time names, we got Hall of Famers like uh, Robbie uh, Lawler's back in there against Brian Barbarena. We got Donald Cerrone, the Cowboys back. He's got Jim Miller. I think both those guys are going to be going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, certainly, Uriah Hall is always an interesting name when you see him on on a card. Uh, you know, you got Jessica I against Macy Barber. Very intriguing matchup there. Brad Tavares is back in this in this fight card. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark is on this card. My goodness. So the Sugar Show is back as well. I mean. What other fight really stands out to you? Says this is the one you can't miss, and I see some good value on it. Uh, there, I mean, it's hard to find a a, a bad fight on this card. But uh, <laughs> you, uh, one thing that's sticking out to me is Sean O'Malley being such a huge favorite versus Pedro Munoz. Mm-hmm. Pedro's by far the toughest opponent Sean has fought. I mean, obviously Pedro's not in his prime anymore. He's you know older. He's shorter. He's you know been he lost his last two fights and four out of his last five. But those are against the tip of the spear. And Sean O'Malley, I mean, hate him or love him, he's been on, he's, he's been spoon-fed people for him to KO and get highlights. The UFC is using his marketability to their advantage. So this is almost, this is basically Sean O'Malley's first real fight. And, uh, well, he, Cheeto Vera, but, 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 but that yeah, was but his the, only loss. You, right? and, well, and, I mean, that, yeah, that was a real fight, but that was also before Cheeto's resurgence, and we didn't really necessarily get to see the whole fight because of that weird, like, nerve kick right. thing, you know, in his leg. Right. So, it, it, so yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of write that fight off, honestly, just because, like I said, we didn't get to see it truly play out. We saw kind of a freak accident happen. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, the point still stands that Cheeto is a good opponent. Uh, it was kind of before Cheeto was the guy that we have today. Um, you right. know what I'm He's saying? He's definitely like, gotten better. Like Pedro Munoz at this point of his career versus Cheeto back then is kind of a different animal. Totally. Uh, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to watch this. I think Sean O'Malley minus 260, Pedro plus 220. These odds are a bit off. I think that Sean... I mean, Pedro hasn't been finished in the UFC in, I mean, at least five years, probably longer. Um, you know, so in Sean O'Malley is the king of, you know, the first, second round KO. So it <laughs> right. could be, you know, like, think, so I think um, overs in this fight could be good. Um, you know, if you're not really willing to take Pedro, Pedro at this point of his career, plus 220. I think looking at the round total over, alternate round totals over, fight goes the distance, could be really interesting. Um, it, it reminds me of the Chimaev versus Gilbert Burns fight uh, about, I don't know, a month and a half ago where I thought that nobody was giving enough respect to Gilbert uh, given mm-hmm. his pedigree in the sport. But the best way to express your belief in him wasn't betting him because Chimaev still was probably going to win, but was to go bet on the over for the round total. Uh, Which we were both on. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. that definitely cashed that day with Gilbert Burns. What a great fight that was. And to that point, Britain, you look at the over. Uh, right now, you, you don't have to lay a whole lot. It's minus twenty if you think it goes over two and a half rounds here. So the under right now, minus ten. So I think that shows exactly what you're detailing there. If you don't want to back the bigger dog and the aging, uh, you know, really good fighter in Pedro Munoz, 
the respect factor there could come in with the overplay of two and a half rounds, even though Sean O'Malley, to your point, Britain, is the king of kind of getting guys out of there pretty early and trying to put on that show. One of the fight I do want to touch on very quickly, and that's Brad Riddell against Jalen Turner. If you've been watching Jalen Turner in his ascent here in the UFC, it has been a lot of fun to watch. They don't come much tougher than Brad Riddell. And right now, you look at the fight, Turner, a small favorite, minus $1.35, Riddell plus $1.15 on a Tuesday. Where do you think this line might go before we talk again on Friday? Uh, you know, it's honestly tough for me to know because these are, I mean, obviously they're both really good fighters. Uh, I think Turner is on the win streak, so it makes sense that he's the favorite. I feel like mm-hmm. when people, you know, start digging into this card and getting ready to bet it, they will uh, be much more apt to, uh, to, to take Turner just because they see the win streak. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Rail got KO'd by a you know, highlight from Rafael Fizev uh, in uh, December of 2021. So, you know, I think that, that at least as the hotter fighter is Jalen Turner. You know, he's undefeated in his UFC career. Oh, no, never mind. No. Uh, <laughs> he, he lost to, uh, but he's on a four fights win, win streak. Uh, you know, and he, overall, he is five and two in the UFC, which is pretty good for a guy, you know, who's, you know, still in his, still 27. So he still has room to grow. Um, I do love the fight. I do love, you know, Brad Riddell. I think it's going to be very exciting. It might be one of the best viewing fights on the card. That's for sure. And then, of course, we've got Alex Pereira going to take on uh, Sean Strickland as well. That's going to be a, a, probably a very interesting fight indeed. And Robbie Gawler, I mentioned against Brian Bar- uh, Barbarena. Right now, that's almost a pick and fight. Robbie, the ruthless one, minus 120 there. So, so many different ways to attack this fight card. Britton, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me here on First Strike, First Look on a Tuesday. And I know you're going to do another great job on Friday when we bring back the full hour for for First Strike. So we'll join you then. Uh, Britton, appreciate it, my friend. We'll catch up again on Friday. All right. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you later. There he is, everybody. Britton has producer extraordinaire. Thanks for listening to First Strike, First Look. We'll see you on VEASAN for First Strike come Friday. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.